God, we come to you in this time of prayer, and we come to you from so many different places in life. We are young and learning. We are older and wise. We are grieving. We are joyful. We are lonely. We are surrounded by people who love us. We are alone. We are lost. We are flourishing. We are struggling. We are seeking health for our bodies, minds, and spirits. Wherever we are in life, whatever mountaintop or straightaway or valley we are in today, we come to you with open hearts and minds, knowing that you long to hear from us and that your love for every person is unconditional and relentless. As we bring to you our prayers of joy and sorrow, may we do so with grateful hearts, grateful that you are with us, offering us a love that passes all understanding. We are thankful for this community of friends and neighbors who support us, teach us, who challenge us, and who show us what it means to follow Christ by welcoming fully, serving humbly, seeking justice, and offering mercy abundantly. With thanksgiving, we celebrate each breath we are granted, each time we glimpse your beauty in the world, and each peal of laughter we share. God, from our abundance, wherever we may find it, may we remember to give thanks and to respond to your graciousness with us by sharing your love with others. May your spirit of generosity work within us, helping us see all the ways we might offer compassion to others, to encourage and nurture those around us, and to bring new life and hope to people and places that are fragmented and worn down. God, hear all of the prayers that we offer to you with gratitude this day.
witness of scripture this morning comes from the gospel according to Luke. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 men with a skin disease approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? So where are the other nine? Did none of them return to give glory to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well.
case you didn't know, tomorrow is Thanksgiving Day in Canada. Vestiges of their celebration go back to the late 1500s, and it was variously observed through the years until officially declared a national holiday in 1879 to be held on November the 6th. Following the two world wars, and so as not to conflict with Armistice Day celebrated on November 11th, the Canadian observance of Thanksgiving was moved to the second Monday in October, and that began in 1957, that time of year being a more close match to the end of the seasonal harvest in Canada. In its official decree, Canada's Parliament declared Thanksgiving was a day of general thanksgiving to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest with which Canada has been blessed. Well, giving thanks is good practice. Based on what we just read, today is Thanksgiving Day in the Gospel of Luke. It didn't start out as Thanksgiving Day, Although there is a parade of sorts, not the parade sponsors, sponsored by Macy's department store, but the parade of the marginalized people. We note the differences between the two. For Luke's parade does not march down Broadway into Herald Square, but happens in the borderland between Samaria and Galilee. Jesus was on his way to the most famous of named places called Jerusalem. But before his arrival, he traveled to an unnamed place into a certain town, said Luke. We would not miss what happened there. For this no-named place among no-named people identified only by a disease is no longer a wasteland, but is now a sacred land because of what Jesus did there. Luke is providing much more than a geography lesson. Instead, he is proclaiming the landscape of theology. For we learn that Jesus is the ultimate border crosser, declaring that God's healing comes even into the margins. In other words, there is no place and no one so lost that God's healing presence cannot transform. And that's what sacred place is. The presence of God's renewing and restoring life wherever and however and whenever that happens. We knew about borderlands back where I grew up. Between the city of Waco and the town of Belmede, a suburb just to the east, there was a patch of land that neither city incorporated, neither city wanted. There was a sign marking the city limit of Waco, and then a bit further down the road, a sign marking entrance into Belmede. While this area did not have an official name since neither city wanted it, it was known as no man's land, which was both the most accurate and inaccurate name for that space, because men did live there, and women, and children, the old and the young, 
a people without city services living in ramshackle houses on dirt streets. While nearby, the overhead traffic on Interstate 35 hurtled by, and the main east and west thoroughfare linking the two named cities all but ignored no man's land. It was marginalized space inhabited by marginalized people. Occasionally there would be news about no man's land, but mostly it was ignored. And even more likely, never considered in the context of Luke's story. Back in those days, Waco was sometimes called Jerusalem on the Brazos, which might be more accurate than we realized at the time. For as Luke tells the story, before Jesus went to Jerusalem, he spends time in no man's land. Luke is giving us theology in the context of geography. If you want to find Jesus, remember that before he gets to Jerusalem on the Brazos or any other sacred place, he is first bringing good news to the margins. If we're willing to look there, then we might be willing to look here or wherever for the places cordoned off, the people walled off. And even more than looking out there, we might also be willing to look inside the geography of our own living. To those places we know, places that are wounded, broken, rejected or unlovable, unaccepting or unrefined. Luke's gospel says Jesus will be there, will come to heal there. Luke wants us to know that it's not where there are no problems, there goes Jesus. Instead, Luke reminds us that wherever problems are, Jesus goes there. It didn't start out as Thanksgiving Day in the Gospel of Luke, although there was a parade. Not Macy's down Broadway, but the unnamed toward Jesus. How so very sad, isn't it, to be known only by a label because by design labels dehumanize people. In that time, one of the most frightening of labels was leper. And it was a disease to be treated seriously. It was contagious and in its worst forms lethal. Perhaps as bad as the disease itself was the incredible isolation imposed. There were strict rules to be observed if one contracted leprosy. Rules about clothes and the company you could keep. Rules about announcing your presence by shouting leper to keep others distant. Rules of being barred from religious communities and declared unworthy to God. As Luke tells the story, when Jesus is passing through no man's land, this parade of lepers who follow the law by keeping their distance, do something else. They make their voices known. We marvel at their strength 
and their courage and their sense of being well enough despite all the message to, messages to the contrary that disease and isolation and marginalization are not God's design for anyone in life. We hear their voices. So does Jesus. Now, how Jesus does what he does is a mystery to us. What Luke emphasizes is that the plaintive cry of the leper's protest is heard and it's attended to by the loving Christ. So it's not lost on us that as Jesus is headed toward the powerful in Jerusalem, he is also Jesus among the powerless in no man's land. Not lost on us that Jesus with the scribes is also Jesus with the Samaritans. Not lost on us that Jesus with the Pharisee is also Jesus with the foreigner. Jesus the Messiah with the priests and the poor. The one who comes to the best part and the worst part that lives in each one of us. Luke tells this story of Jesus so that no one will forget that compassion, healing, justice, mercy, community, renewal are the heart of Jesus's life and teaching meant to expand the mind so that no one would declare a limit on who is worthy and who can be well in God's world. Luke tells us this story so that we remember Jesus's arms are expansive. And all of that would be enough to consider for one day. But we know Luke. Luke always gives us one more scene to ponder. It's a scene of a one float parade within a parade. Jesus sends the 10 cured to be verified by the priests as the law prescribed, but one does not do as Jesus told him to do. A Samaritan. That means we're dealing with a double outsider here. Turns back and finding Jesus falls at his feet and gives thanks. Now, to be fair, Jesus's response is a little bit surprising. For the nine are doing what Jesus instructed. So something else, something extraordinary is being revealed in this moment. The Samaritan who returned has discovered that it is one thing to be cured and a very good thing at that. And it's something even richer to be well. The faith that makes him well is first his recognition that Christ is not simply the Christ of the Jerusalemites, but also the Christ of the Samaritans. He who once saw himself as only ill and ostracized is now welcomed and belonging. For before any label was affixed to him, Jesus reminds him he is first and always a child of God. And not only that, this man has been given a glimpse of God's reign on earth as it is in heaven. 
God intends life for the ones in no man's land and in Jerusalem land and every byway along that road. And the man's response to God's wondrous gift is pure gratitude. Thanksgiving Day in the Gospel of Luke arrives when this most unlikely one of all turns to Christ and gives thanks to God for simply being alive, for the gift of life. We're not witnessing good manners here. We're not witnessing a response to something nice, although it certainly is. Instead, this man falls on the ground in the posture and position that makes him and all of us well, worshipful, gratitude, worshiping thanks given to the one who gives life to all. Diane Roth tells the story of seeing someone in church one Sunday whom she had not seen before. The man remained after worship to tell his story, the essence of which was that he had had a very close call while traveling, but had made it through and realized that the only place he could be that Sunday was in church giving thanks for the gift of life. Diana Butler Bass, in her insightfully entitled book, Grateful, the Subversive Practice of Giving Thanks, has written, being grateful does not fix anything. Pain, suffering, injustice, these things are real. They do not go away. Gratitude, however, invalidates the false narrative that these things are the sum total of human existence, that despair is the last word. Gratitude gives us a new story. It opens our eyes to see that every life is, in unique and dignified ways, graced. We are all beneficiaries, and in turn, we are all benefactors to each other. The first act of being human is receiving the gift of breath. And as we go through life, we continually receive, we sit at a table of gifts, we pass gifts on to others. To live gratefully is to liberate ourselves and humanity from the slavery of payback and debt, of entitlement, privilege, and superiority. Gratitude is strongest, clearest, most robust, and radical when things are really hard, really hard, all is lost hard. Well, that is when Thanksgiving Day shows up, according to the Gospel of Luke, thanks to a very courageous Samaritan. Robert Emmons has written a tiny little paperback entitled, The Little Book of Gratitude in which he describes the arc of gratitude, A-R-C. Gratitude, he says, amplifies goodness, rescues us from negative emotions, and connects us to others in meaningful ways. Arc, 
Gratitude amplifies, rescues, connects. And the good news is that can be practiced anywhere. It might even be practiced tomorrow in Canada on Thanksgiving Day. We hope it's a wonderful day. But the good news is the Gospel of Luke tells us we do not have to wait for tomorrow because Thanksgiving Day is already here whenever and wherever people live with a posture of gratitude for the gift that is life. It is the way of living that Jesus said makes one well. And so it seems the only proper response to that is to join our Samaritan friend in saying, thanks. Thanks be to God.